1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes
0: and fees may vary. She's an award-winning broadcaster, a humor columnist, a PR and marketing pro, a devoted wife and mother, and a two-time cancer survivor. Welcome back to part two of my up-close and personal interview with my friend Sue Tabb. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. In last week's episode, Sue shared the story of her second breast cancer diagnosis at the height of the pandemic. And like so many other women, she had to go through it alone due to COVID restrictions. Her husband even had to drop her off on the curb. She cried all the way into the hospital, facing an eight-hour mastectomy and reconstruction procedure. And the result? Well, this exceptional woman learned exactly how strong and resilient she really is. And then there was the funny story about Marconi Award-winning radio personality Matt Siegel from the famous Maddie in the Morning Morning Show. She was a sidekick on his show, and Sue was game for just about anything. And when he found out that she was terrified of spiders, he had an insect specialist bring in a tarantula live on the air and Sue was very pregnant at the time. Listeners tuned in as this thing started crawling up her arm while a nurse monitored her heart rate and the baby's heart rate. Great radio? I think so. Part two brings us further into Sue's personal life, including what her childhood was like, her early role models, motherhood, raising her daughters to be strong women. Our time together at Magic 106.7 was also part of the conversation. Here we go. You know, when you and I worked together for a while before I left the station, I had created a program called Exceptional Women, which was truly, I guess, the greatest accomplishment of my broadcast career.
1: And the greatest gift of mine.
0: And that's what I want to talk about is I feel so fortunate that I was able to literally hand that to you. And I remember our conversation. We were co-hosts for a while Mm -hmm. before I left. And then I said, can you please take care of this? Yes. And you have done such a beautiful job. Congratulations on six Gracie Allen Awards. Yes. The show continues to be a nationwide success story. And thank you, Sue, so much for well, you everything you've done. To
1: me to the Gracie Award. I didn't even know how prestigious it was until you entered both of us. For one of the shows we did. And I remember you called me and you said you are now officially a Gracie Award winner. And I was thrilled. But until I went to the Gracies and you see among all your peers, all these distinguished and very accomplished people, and you take your award, there's nothing like it.
0: It's pretty wonderful. But you know, the beauty of the show is a simple premise, which is you take one woman you put her in the spotlight, Mm -hmm. you ask her some questions about how she got to where she is today, and then you just let her tell her story. That's the magic of the show. And it's really what I've been doing here since I left the station. So I'm wondering if you can share with us maybe one of your very favorite recent interviews that you could tell us a little bit about.
1: One Wish Project, Hannah, you know Hannah.
0: She's been on this program.
1: Yes, she's been on this program. I have kind of followed her, and I know you've done that with some of the people that have been guests on your show. Well, they
0: become part of your life. Well, she was
1: 14 when I first yeah. had her on—a kid doing a community service project. Mm-hmm, right. And then fast forward years later, and you know she's running she's a, a big nonprofit. running a big
0: nonprofit. Yeah. And Beautiful then we stories. Talk to
1: celebrities, you yeah. know, and some of them are the most wonderful, down-to-earth people. Kira Sedgwick, we talked to her, Kevin Bacon's wife, the actress. She was the most down-to-earth, lovely person. Marie Osmond. I mean, all of these people that you put a microphone and you can do a deep dive with a 30-minute <laughs> show, and you can talk in a way that you can't when you're doing little sound bites.
0: You know what I found, too, by doing this work, and I think I'm close to 1,000 women now between Exceptional Women in this program, the story behind her success, and what I'm learning is that I kind of take a piece of every one of these women. They teach me so much about right. life.
1: Right. I say that all the time and I'm like, selfishly, we get so much back from it. You know, it's wonderful. People say, oh, thank you for letting me share my story. I'm like, what do you mean thank you for allowing us in to your story and being able to share it with those, the people that we influence? And I, I just love it.
0: And it's been such a gift. Speaking of people of influence, I wonder if you can share a little bit about your childhood because it is the foundation of our lives. So tell us about your childhood. Where are you from?
1: I'm from Westfield, Massachusetts, Western Massachusetts. For those people listening who don't know where Western Mass is, because it's the other side of Worcester, it's near Springfield. (laughs) Um, So I grew up in a very small town. I went to a parochial school all my life. Pretty much everybody in my town was a working class Irish Catholic. You know, it wasn't the most diverse town, but I had a wonderful upbringing. My parents, who are still with us, great childhood. I'm the middle of three kids. Ah, the peacemaker. Yes, I'm the peacemaker, still am. My parents didn't go to traditional college. My mom and dad got married when they were 18 and 21. They're still married. They've been married for 62 years. Wow. Still like each other, (laughs) love each other and like each other. So I always had that as sort of the role model for what marriage should look like. They have a great marriage. But neither of my parents went to traditional college. So I was the first to do it. And I went to Smith, which is hugely diverse and hugely different. And so it was so wonderful because it opened my eyes to what else is out there. You know, different political views, different religions, different socioeconomic statuses. It opened my world up. I was a big fish in a very small pond. (laughs) And then I was a small fish in a very big pond overnight. But it was a good learning experience. Did
0: you know what you wanted to do with your life when you were growing up?
1: No. It's funny. I was a psychology major. At Smith, They didn't even at the time have any communications courses because everybody assumes I was a communications or journalism major. And had I known back then what I was going to do with my life, I would have been, but I didn't. I thought I was going to be a psychologist. That was the path that I was on. And then after graduation, I flirted with going to law school. I worked as a paralegal
0: for exactly two weeks. (laughs) It didn't go well. It sounds like when I went to take a real estate course at yes. one point before getting into broadcast and radio mm-hmm. and I lasted three hours. Yes. So there you go.
1: It was sort of like, okay, I'm glad I tried. Not it, but this for me. Will not be for me. I was in a cubicle just filing paperwork and I was like, you know, mm-mm. and then I moved to Boston uh, because one of my roommates from Smith lived in Boston and they lived in a house with like four girls and one of them was leaving. She's like, we've got a space. Do you want to come? My parents said, you have no job and no money. I hadn't saved anything. I had just gone to Europe and spent all the money I saved living at home. And my father said, does it occur to you that you don't have a plan? But you know, I'm 23 or 22. And I'm like, nah, fine. I had a little Nissan Sentra. I packed it with what I had and off I went. And my parents said they both made a bet when I was pulling out of the driveway that I'd make it like a week or a month. I never went back. I'm still here.
0: (laughs) still here. We all need someone, Sue, who believes in us. Someone who tells us you can do anything. Mm -hmm. Who has that person been for you? My mother.
1: I graduated valedictorian of my class in high school. And so, you know, I thought I had it going on. I went to Smith and I was in way over my head. Because I went to a parochial school that didn't have a lot of resources, I took reading, writing, and arithmetic out of like 100-year-old textbooks. I didn't have a lot of breath I didn't have a lot of life experience to go on. I hadn't traveled. And when I went to Smith, I was way behind my peers in so many ways. And I sat in those classes and I was lost. And I called my mom after about a week and I cried and I begged her. And I said, Mom, I can't do this. I'm in way over my head. These girls are smarter than me. They have more money than me. And I said, I need you to come and pick me up. And she said it was the hardest mothering Day of her life because she said she had to say, I'm not coming. She said, You are smart enough, you are good enough, and you can do this. And she said, I'm not coming to get you. And there was no Uber at the time. I could have Ubered home now, but there was no way for me to get home. So I said, Okay. And she said, You're just going to have to work a little harder than the rest Mm, of the girls. What a great mom to catch up. But she said, But don't ever say you're not good enough. And so I worked my butt off for four years, and I ended up graduating magna cum laude. Wow. But I had to work really, really,
0: really hard. Oh, but there's so many lessons there in life there were so many lessons.
1: A lot of times it starts with just having somebody believe in you, you and I both know that. That's the basis for then you saying, okay, let's go.
0: How did motherhood change you?
1: I call myself the biggest mama bear ever because it's so hard. To have like so much of your heart on the outside of your body,
0: and, <laughs> isn't that what the Irish say? It's um, like it's a piece y- your of your heart, heart on the outside walking of your body.
1: around. Yes, <laughs> and I always say when they're young, you think it's hard because it's physically demanding when they're young. But I find now that I have girls who are twenty four and twenty six, I find parenting adult children is even harder because you have control when they're younger. You only have influence when they're older. That's right. And you hope that you have set a strong enough foundation for them to make good choices. The thing I struggle with with motherhood is watching them fall down when you know, sometimes you have to let them make the mistake and let them fall on their face because there's no way your words are gonna teach them. Experience teaches people. They have to make mistakes and then you learn from them. And if you learn from them, I always say this, your mistakes and your failures are part of your success as long as you learn from them because it
0: propels you forward. And speaking of propelling forward, I know that you're still on the air full time, but you've got a book in the making.
1: Yes. My girlfriend Deirdre and I have been collaborating for years. We've had this idea for years. We did a podcast for a little while. We've been sort of formulating it, but we finally put it down in writing. And you know, because you just published a book, I've had it on my bucket list for years that I wanted to be a published author. And we finally said, you know what? With our life experiences there is an audience for what we have to say. So it's called Waking Oz. And what it is, is it's a book primarily for women who are 30s, 40s, 50s, who have put a lot of effort into parenting their children and then find themselves in a spot where they say, wait a minute, what about me? Like, where am I in this equation? We get a little lost sometimes. You can get a little lost. And I think especially our generation have made it all about the kids and We have to come out from behind the kids Mm. and realize that a family is an equal opportunity organization. Your goals, your dreams are as important as anybody else's in the family. And in fact, it's good for you to be chasing something because your kids need to see that. They need to see that there is something outside of just you as mom. I identify with being mom. You do too. And I love my children beyond measure. But I also realize that as I talk to women, I have so many women who say to me, I was just a mom for 20 years and now I don't know what to do. They left. I'm like, yes, they're going to leave. The only constant you have in your life is you. And I always say, we call it waking Oz because it's waking the Oz that's in you. When Dorothy and they were all like going down the yellow brick road looking for Oz and then they realized there is no great and powerful behind the green curtain. You always had the power, my dear. Remember, you just click your heels. It's really within you. So we say that in our book, you know, it's you, it's your journey, it's your power. You're the only constant. Marriages end, people pass away, kids grow up and leave. What are you all about? And Candy, it's funny because we did a workshop with women and we asked them to define themselves and to talk about what are you, but not in relation to anybody else. Not like mom, nurturer, friend, just you. How would you define yourself. You know, you might say broadcaster, author, women struggled. I know. They couldn't come up with it and in a way that men don't struggle. And so I think it's just the way we're hardwired, we're nurturers, we're thinking of other people, but it's a book to remind women that their dreams are important too. If you can.
0: Yes. Can you please talk to a woman who is just getting started on her breast cancer journey? Maybe she's just heard those words for the very first time. And since this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we'd love your advice on that.
1: I think you have to think about it this way. There is an initial shock and it's okay to be sad and shocked. And that's okay. And give yourself a few days to just process. But what I will always tell women is think about getting to the other side, collect all of the information you can, figure out what your plan of attack is going to be, get through it. And yes, it's forever life-changing. It will always be a part of your history, but it's not always a bad thing. I've been able to take that diagnosis, help other people, coach them through it, go to appointments with them. I speak at events. There's a way that you can turn that into a way to help other people. And it's a club that nobody wants to be in, but it's not a bad club. It's an empowering club. And when you get through it, you realize that you're way more resilient than you think. And you're way stronger than you think.
0: Next three questions we ask everyone who's a guest on our show, and thanks again for coming here. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it?
1: A lot of times I will ask for the advice of people that I respect, that maybe have more knowledge than I do about whatever it is that I'm facing, and I have learned that no one person can know everything, so I lean on other people Mm. a lot, and I'll say, hey, I'm facing this issue, this problem. It's okay. Tap into your posse. Figure out who can help. And it's okay to ask for help, Mm. which again, I never did when I was younger. Now I'm fine with it. Like, hey, can you
0: hook me up? I need your help. Or what
1: would you do in this circumstance?
0: What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? And can you pass that along to our listeners?
1: Well, the best piece of advice I ever received was probably when I started in radio to be my authentic self. And that has always stayed with me and Matt Siegel's the one who told me that, but he said to me, and this is the hard part, being your authentic self means you have to be willing to be vulnerable mm-hmm. because you can't please everybody. Not everybody's gonna like you. And he said that to me when I went in the air. He said, most people will, but not everybody's gonna like you. And a caller might call and say they disagree with you or whatever, and that's okay. But that's part of who you are. And so you need to be willing to present an opposing opinion, laugh along when you want to laugh along, but be who you are and be willing to weather the consequences of being who you authentically are, right? You have to be able to deal with both sides of that.
0: Final question. Yes. Right now in this chapter of your incredible life, Sutap, what does success mean to you? How do you define it?
1: I define it way different than I did 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Because the older you get, the more experience you have and the more you look back and go, ah, I used to think it was a place you would arrive at. And one day you'd say, ha ha, I'm there. I'm a success. And what I realized is that isn't the case. It's a moving target. For me, success is, am I evolving? Am I growing? Am I stepping outside of my comfort zone? Am I constantly turning into a better version of myself? and it goes in phases of your life. You and I talked about this off air, and that looks different at different phases of your life. But as long as I'm propelling myself forward and I have goals and I'm striving to be better and to do better and to accomplish more and to be a better mom and a better coworker, that's success. And you will have milestone winning awards or promotions and all of that. Yes, those are all markers that make up the bigger picture, but they're not the bigger picture. For me, it's the journey in between all of that. As long as you're moving forward, you're a success. And also, I measure success with how my children speak of me because I feel like the way my kids speak of me reflects how I've treated them as a mother, what they've seen as a career person. And I listen to that because I think, huh, that's the way that they've seen me. And thankfully, it's mostly good, I think.
0: <laughs> I want to say thank you so much for being on the show
1: today. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank I you, mean, thank it's you. It's just... To be on the other side of it, though, is a little weird, as you know. Well, I'm not usually the fine. interviewee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that's the story behind her success for this week. My thanks to Sue Tab for sharing her breast cancer journey and her career journey with us today. This month, we are saluting the Ellie Fund. Find out more about the services they provide at elliefund.org, E-L-L-I-E fund.org. Their mission? Simple but so powerful. Supporting patients, funding care, providing hope. And thank you for listening. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile. So if you know someone I should feature on the show, just reach out, nominate her today. Go to candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y, -Y O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.